The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you that are listening with us today. We're very glad that you're here. We know we've got listeners across the U.S. and across the world, and uh, we just love that. So thanks for tuning in, and thanks for participating. Thanks for sending in your emails and for posting on Facebook and uh, letting your friends and the people in your recovery circles and in your unity community know about the spirit of recovery. I love broadcasting on the topic of recovery on Unity Online Radio, and I love hearing from you and knowing that we're touching your heart and opening up your mind to new possibilities and new ideas and new depths about spirituality and about recovery. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community, and we have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative Our guests are people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, people who teach spiritual insights. We bring you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member or if you're a family member or friend of someone with the disease of addiction and you are uh, interested in looking for information about recovery or if simply you're somebody that's curious and interested in the process of recovery, we welcome you here to the Spirit of Recovery and we welcome your participation in our discussion. September is Recovery Month. This is something that's celebrated across our country, and so it's a special time for all of us to be thinking about that process of recovery and realizing that recovery is possible and that no matter how difficult uh, our lives have become because of addiction or because of the addiction or a lo- of a loved one, that recovery is possible, that there are many people that walk this recovery road and there's lots of help, there's lots of hope, and recovery is a reality. Also, we want you to know that you can always download archives of Spirit of Recovery. 
go to www.unity.fm slash programs slash spirit of recovery and you can find our archives there and we've been on the air now for a year hard to believe and so we've got a great archive of programs and encourage you to listen to those and encourage your friends to download the archives of our past programs Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. Since that time, my walk has been one of an integration of Unity principles and recovery principles. And that walk keeps transforming my life And keeps me growing in deeper and deeper ways. So I am very grateful to have the opportunity to share with you about spirituality and recovery. On every show also we do have a drawing and we give away a recovery book. These have been donated to us by www.hazelden.org. And we're very grateful to Hazelden Foundation for donating the books. And today's book that we're giving away is called The Addictive Personality by Craig Nocken. You can email us at... Uh, Spirit of Recovery at unity.fm, or you can give us a call at 888-558-6489 at any time during the program, and we'd be happy to put your name in the drawing for our book. And today, again, it's The Addictive Personality by Craig Nocken. So, today our topic is Brain Wisdom, Your Higher Power Speaking. And my guest is Unity Minister Steve Maynard. Uh, Steve is the co-founder of Thrive After 45, and he also uh, works with the Transformative Living Center, where he sends out, uh, from there, he sends also an e- a weekly inspirational email. And lately, he's been writing about your evolving brain. Steve is very focused on the concept of spirituality from an evolutionary perspective, and his focus and purpose is to help himself and others live more spiritfully every day in every way. He focuses on conscious evolution and how to find fulfillment in the second half of life. And Steve is conversant with the 12-step program. So today he's going to be sharing with us about brain wisdom and uh, your higher power speaking and how that works. So Steve, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna. I'm honored and uh, delighted to, that you invited me to participate in this wonderful work that you're doing. And, and I hope that I can add something uh, of importance meaning, that's meaningful and relevant to people today. I'm, I'm sure that you will. I'm sure you will. Would you tell us first uh, how you know about the 12-step program? Well, yes, I'll, I'll be glad to share a bit about that. Um, I can say that in the first half of my adult life, I was a uh, bona fide uh, garden variety alcoholic. I learned to, uh, or I started drinking while I was in college, uh, had the, after that initiation right of initiation i i reinforced it uh, during my service in the military and then subsequently when i went into the business world particularly uh, early on in my career as an expatriate um i was in immersed in a culture that was uh, actively engaged in in pretty hardy drinking activities and i i fell into that um Continuing, I guess, a little bit of a family tradition, my 
my folks were habitual drinkers, uh, but uh, my dad always uh, told me that we must not be alcoholics because we don't go to meetings. <laughs> and so uh, I, with that as a culture, I sort of avoided uh, confronting my own issues about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. over time, uh, as I say, I, I characterize myself as a garden variety alcoholic in that I uh, practice the... Uh, uh, the art of drinking, but I was fortunate and blessed to have, have never have had a serious problem like a DUI or anything that was directly um, adverse in my personal life or career in a specific type of instance, although I have to say I became increasingly aware that I wasn't really functioning in the, in the most optimal way. Uh, eventually what happened was uh, after I have had been in denial and avoiding, avoidance for uh, a number of years, uh, in my early days in the Unity community, I decided to take uh, Stretton Smith's 4T Prosperity Program, which is built around the 12 steps, and that was an excellent way for someone who was basically kind of fearful of of the 12 steps to get introduced to that in a gentle way. So I really appreciated that introduction. And in fact, when we had to do the 12 steps as part of the course, and when I got to the fifth step, since I was living near Stratton, I called him up and asked him if he would listen to my fifth step. And as we went through that... um, at the end, he said, let's go back to what you were talking about, about your drinking pattern, and tell me more about that. And I told him in detail, and he looked at me, and he said, well, Steve, you're an alcoholic. And I said, oh, well, what should I do about that? And he said, I suggest that you find a recovery group and go to 90 meetings in 90 days and then don't drink between meetings. And uh, after 90 days, let me know how you're doing and whether you want to go back to drinking. And that's exactly what I did. So that was some years ago, and uh, um, it was really probably one of the life-changing moments uh, and life-changing decisions that uh, I have experienced in my life, and I'm very grateful for uh, his counseling and for the 12 steps. Great. How did your life get different after you did the 90 meetings in 90 days? Well, I think mostly I really began to realize at some point during that 90 days I got a very clear, uh, loud and clear message from my higher power, and my higher power told me that higher power did not want me to drink. And that just sunk in, and I really got it. And I felt blessed because any desire to consume alcohol was lifted from me. And, um, And so... In a way, separating myself from a pattern of drinking was the easy part. 
and I feel blessed and fortunate for that. Uh, the 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 real change, though, came as I really got in touch with, began to get more in touch with who I really was in life and sort of my authentic self, my inner self, and I began to realize that uh, alcohol had been fogging over or holding me back to really uh, get real about myself, uh, what my inner desires were and what I really wanted to do with my life. And so I started, I became pretty consciously aware that I really needed to shift uh, my direction in life. And in fact, that's what eventually led me into the ministry. And in fact, you know, because I was a garden variety uh, alcoholic, I hadn't really bottomed out before I got involved in a recovery program. And what eventually happened to me is I actually went into, about two years later, I went into a state of clinical depression as I really was grappling with who am I and what do I want to do. And out of that depression, uh, understanding that coupling coupling my experience with uh, dealing with alcoholism with what I was learning in the Unity Church, I suddenly realized uh, what Myrtle Fillmore meant when she said that uh, uh, I am a child of God and I do not inherit sickness. And that, the day that I, that really sunk into me, I realized that not only was I free from my former addiction to alcohol, but I was also free from the treatment that I was going through and specifically the pharmaceutical aspect of that treatment uh, for, to deal with the depression. And, you know, I really literally became like a born-again person, although not in the sense of born-again in common-day parlance in the religious uh, context. And so that day I... As that realization went in, I went into the my medicine cabinet and threw out the pills. And it's been uh, really good, pretty much ever since that. Mm-hmm. So I realized you... that healing was possible. That's profound, and um, I just want to say a note here that um, just to. For listeners, that uh, that is certainly a wonderful experience you've had, and not everybody is it's a, not every for not everybody is it a good idea to go and throw out all the pills if you're on the medication. I want to say that it's different; it's an individual thing, and you can be in complete healing and in complete spiritual healing if you are taking medications. Um, and for some people, they have a different experience as as Steve did. So I just want to say that to our listeners. And, uh-huh. and I want to affirm that as well, as that was my personal experience, and it's not necessarily uh, something I would recommend for everyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> In fact, a couple of weeks later, I went to see the doctor and uh, and confess that's what I did, and asked asked him if he's okay with that, and he basically said, "Well, if it works for you." I said, "Thank you very much." I was, so I was sort of covering my bases as well. 
Right. That's good. So you said you were like a, a, a born-again person in, in that sense of renewal. Tell us what that was like. What does it feel like to be that born-again? You said it, you realized the healing was possible. What else was different for you? Well, what it really did was uh, I found myself giving giving myself permission to uh, to to move in the direction of of an inner calling and and that took place over a number of years actually it wasn't something that just happened overnight you know from the standpoint of really walking on the path because i think that when you've been in a uh, addictive behavior for a long time you've got a you've got a lot of ground to make up so to speak and so I was fairly patient and deliberate with myself, uh, um, and it it was challenging because I, you know, as we called the ministry, I was giving up. I'd not only given up the alcohol, but I also had given up my a large part of my what had been my identity as a business executive. You know, a change a change in income, not an increase, <laughs> but a significant decrease. And you know a loss of of so-called status uh, within my peers, like, and they didn't really understand what I'm, what I was up to or all about, and, and so there were a lot of changes that one negotiates through, um, as you, as I at least uh, experienced the movement away from where. Uh, my body was, but my heart wasn't, and so it it was a process that took a number of years. Right. It's that reminds me of, I think the stories that we hear all often in in terms of spiritual growth and spiritual awakening is that a lot of times outer conditions change, and and we may give up things that have seemed so important to us because we're reaching in, in for the soul. Exactly. And that's that that kind of work is really um, really one has to be delicate with oneself and I realize that more today than I did when I was going through it. Particularly at for instance uh Lately, I've been studying on the side. This is not about the brain so much as about the soul, and that is uh, John O'Donohue's book, Anamkara, is really profoundly instructional about the nature of soul work. And I would recommend that if people are going through soul-searching times that uh, they take a look at Anamkara. Anamkara is Gaelic, for which words for... Um, soul friend, and so the, his book, John O'Donohue's book, teaches one to befriend their soul and befriend the souls of others. Steve, thanks so much. It's time for our break. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll start with the Serenity Minute, a brief moment to focus on a constructive idea. And then my guest Steve Maynard and I will keep talking about brain wisdom, your higher power speaking. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity. 
a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. The Unity Message is universal, uniting, empowering, and transformational. Carrying this message to the world with the power of music and song are scores of singers and songwriters who dedicate their extraordinary gifts to helping heal the world and spread the message of unity and oneness. These are the Messengers of Unity. We salute the Messengers of Unity. to Pazapalooza Music That Matters with host Richard McDesey to hear the music and the artists who are changing the world one song at a time. Fridays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. My name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is brain wisdom, your higher power speaking. And my guest is Steve Maynard. Steve is a unity minister. He is the co-founder of Thriving at Thrive After 45. He also is the co-founder of the Transformative Living Center. He sends out uh, weekly inspirational emails from that. And his recent one uh, series is about the evolving brain and his ministry focuses on conscious evolution of spirituality how to find fulfillment in the second half of life and steve is also a person who is conversant with these 12 steps of recovery and he's just been sharing with us about that but before steve and i uh, go forward with our conversation i invite you to join me for a moment on focusing on a constructive idea in the serenity minute so let's allow our minds to rest be opened and refreshed And I invite you to hear this idea as you relax. Today I'm grateful for my healthy brain. And I bless it with love and life. Today I am grateful for my healthy brain. And I bless it with love and life. 
Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I do hope that you found that refreshing and that that constructive idea opened up some new possibilities for you. And now we're back with my guest, Steve Maynard, talking about brain wisdom, your higher power speaking. This is a great time to give us a call or send us an email with a comment or a question for Steve. You can call us at 888-558-6489, and that number is 888-55-U-N-I-T-Y. Or you can email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. And we do get those emails um, during the show. So we'd, again, love to hear from you, a comment or a question for my guest. So um, a lot of research has been done, I don't know, in the last probably 25 years and, and so much recently about addiction and the brain. And more and more it's becoming clear that um, brain chemistry has a lot to do with the disease of addiction and um, that brain health has a lot to do with recovery, and that recovery uh, certainly includes an important component, obviously, of releasing, uh, you know, taking, not putting those uh, chemicals of abuse into the the uh, system, that into the nervous system, and also for family members who may not necessarily be using um, chemicals of abuse, but frankly, the the stress chemicals for the people who are family members that have uh, somebody that's got the disease, the substance part of the disease of addiction for us family members, the stress that we carry can have an effect um, on our nervous system. And so that ongoing brain healing is a big part of recovery, whether uh, we're family members or whether uh, you might be somebody that's in recovery from the substance end of this disease. So Steve Maynard has been uh, studying a lot about the brain and and talking about that, working at how, how it's related to spirituality. Who would have thought? So, Steve, how does it work? Well, first of all, I have to say that your affirmation about taking care and appreciating our, our brain is really one of the key things to healthy, healthy living and uh, fulfilled living at, at all levels in terms of body, mind, and spirit. And so uh, that was totally appropriate and perfect for this discussion. Um, I have been doing a lot of work on understanding the brain uh, from the viewpoint of spirituality, from the viewpoint of evolution and so forth, and a lot of this directly applies to um, the recovery process and and, uh, relates to the nature of addiction and so forth. The first thing that really got me going on this was hearing uh, Reverend Michael Dowd, who who has written a wonderful book called Thank God for Evolution. And he and his wife, Connie Barlow, are really uh, evangelicals for evolutionary Christianity and evolutionary uh, spirituality. And in this book, Thank God for Evolution, Michael writes about the nature of of how our brains evolved, and he describes it. It's important to understand this because if we understand how our brain evolved, we begin to get some clues on what's going on when it's not functioning as well as we would hope it would. For instance, he describes the evolution of the brain as a quadroon brain evolving, starting with the most ancient area, the brainstem and the cerebellum, which he refers to as our lizard legacy, because that's 
the part of the brain that developed during the age of reptiles. And then in the center of the brain is our limbic system, which is kind of a the emotional control system and our early warning system. And that developed as early mammals. And so he calls, he refers to the limbic system as the furry little mammal. And then later what evolved as brains evolved was the cortex, which covers the brain stem and the limbic system and is where basically the bulk of our neurons are, the brain cells are. And that really developed uh, principally with the primates, and so he refers to that as the monkey mind. And most of us that have been in addiction or in addictive-related situations understand the chatter of the monkey mind. And then finally, the, the most recent development that is primarily associated with our species is what is known as the prefrontal cortex, which is the very front of our brain, and that's our control system where we make decisions or and uh, where we evaluate things according to our values and so forth. And Michael Dowd refers that to uh, to that as our higher porpoise. <laughs> so we have the four sections of the brain representing the four stages of the evolution of the brain. And what's important to understand about this is that different areas have functions related to different things. For instance, the brain stem is all about our basic respiration, our heartbeat, our sex drive, uh, and sort of these basic life functions. A limbic system is more related to the furry little mammal is more all about uh, our emotions, you know, and like if you're having a problem, just pick up your dog or your cat and uh, pet it and you immediately feel at ease and that's the relationship to our our furry little mammal, that's our relationship with each other. It's, it's being connected. And then, of course, the monkey mind is where all the chatter happens, but it's also critical for our functioning. And the higher porpoise is where we're making life or death decisions in many situations, or we're, being, we're operating at a level of higher consciousness. So first of all, we need to understand the background of the brain as described so eloquently by Michael Dowd. And one of the things that Dowd talks about is that there are mismatches between what we have in society and what the, the areas of our brain, um, the way the areas of our brain function. For example, our brains are not... Built, they did not evolve to handle concentrated uh, products. They like a little bit of fermentation, but they're not very. They're, they don't know how to handle concentrations of distilled alcoholic spirits. They're, they're, we're okay if we just chew on a cocoa leaf, but they don't like. Uh, they don't respond appropriately when we ingest cocaine. 
uh, nicotine, uh, caffeine, sugar, processed sugars, all that. So a lot of the behaviors that we see manifest among people with addiction problems are a result or attributable to the mismatch between the substances we have available and our brain's capacity to deal with them. Does that make sense? Yes, that is fascinating. That's really interesting. It's like we're we're taking it's like something that's too potent or too much for I don't know, is that overwhelm the brain or is that well, what, what happens is it depends on which part of the brain, and, and Dowd explains this a, a little bit in his book, I mean, he's quite eloquent about this, is that different parts of our brain react differently to, to the substances. And so it could, what, what happens is, uh, principally, as I understand, is like, oh, our brain says a little bit of alcohol is good, you know, a glass of red wine a day is great, but having one glass was so good, give me some more of that. <laughs> and, and right, the on-off on switch gets distorted. That's one of the, the definitions that the scientists find, they call it the, the on-off switch can't, doesn't ever turn off. In this more, right. give me more, give me more, yeah. And it's, it's you know, our, uh, our happiness index gets up and we go like, give me more. I love that so more. Just take one more drink. Take one more. If one felt better, one felt good, two will even be better. And imagine what four or five. So it's it's when some people have the ability to process alcoholic spirits, uh, but others, you know, I can remember when I started drinking even a beer, I get like lightheaded right after half a bottle of beer and I, my friends are behaving normally or seemingly but i i was conscious i said this this kind of puts me off balance but i was never smart enough or disciplined enough at that early stage of my development to say wait a minute this isn't really good for me i wanted to fit in i wanted to be one of the guys i wanted to be you know socially acceptable to to those crowds that I was in. Right. And so my brain was reinforced it and said, yeah, have another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so, so if we're aware that mismatches are happening, we can, one of the things we can be compassionate with ourselves and others and say, well, I understand why that has happened. And that, just that awareness that in and of itself can make a difference in one's life or in one's relationship with another. That's not to say we condone it, but it's to say that we can understand that there is something at work here that is um, beyond normal behavior. Right, that, and that's, I guess, it, what I would say is in 12-step program like Alcoholics Anonymous, that was the big... Not that anybody had never said that before, but they had a bigger understanding that it is a disease. And, right. uh, and, and there's so much science behind it now. It's incredible that it's a brain disease. Unfortunately, some people think, well, that means you're letting them off the hook. Not at all. It means you're responsible to it, to deal with it, but you're not responsible for having it. That's how I look at that. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, a, it's understandable that you have this because... All of our brain, no one's brain is really engineered to deal with it. 
and mm-hmm. some people apparently are less engineered or more sensitive than others. I mean, I really believe that I had a disease because I'm, I was, I, in retrospect, I'm going like, I'm hypersensitive to that drug. I'm also, you know, if I go to the doctor, the doctor says, are you allergic to anything? And I said, I do not want to take anything with codeine in it because the few times I've had that kind of pain reliever, it, I, I just feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I know I am chemically sensitive. Yes. And quite possibly different than in different ways than other people are. Right, and that's what the science, again, more and more, there's so much research going on. That is what it indicates. And and there's right. many complex factors, and they're kind of, you know, it's very complex, but yet that's the root of, of addiction is brain sensitivity, however you want to say it, and people, you know, different people have different uh, sensitivities. Exactly. That's the root of it. But mm-hmm. the good news about the research that's going on today is that it, it provides great hope the more we understand how our brains can function and change, uh, there is tremendous hope for each individual and all of us collectively. Yes. For, for example, um, one of the books that is a favorite of mine is a book called Rewire Your Brain by uh, John Arden, who's a psychologist uh, um, and in the treatment business uh, for Kaiser Permanente, the Kaiser system in Northern California. And what he talks about in rewiring your brain is he talks about the brain's capacity for what is known as neuroplasticity. And the idea is that we can, by our own consciousness, through our own conscious decisions, essentially rewire parts of our brain that uh, that change, can change. You know, we change our mind, we change our brain, which changes our mind. So as we change our mind, we change our brain, we change our lives. And it's in the rewiring process, in, the, in putting, consciously choosing this to exercise our capacity for neuroplasticity that I believe, for instance, I believe I'm... I'm cured of alcoholism. Now, I know that's not the commonly held view within much of the 12-step community that once you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic for life. Based on my understanding of brain science and my understanding of Myrtle Fillmore, I can be healed because I was not designed to inherit sickness. And the, the steps in... You know, it's, it's, it's a very conscious proge- process that John Arden describes. He calls it the feed process. We focus on our awareness on a problem. We make the effort to change our behavior. We keep sustaining that effort until it becomes effortless. And then once it becomes effortless, once we've formed a new pattern, we remain determined to and affirm that that pattern is now part of us. And so it's called, that's why he calls it feed, the feed process, F-E-E-D, focus, effort, effortless, determination. And this is a process that fits perfectly 
with spiritual processes. For instance, when I teach people about feed, we practice it by using the heart math uh, meditation techniques that cause us to uh, become centered on our heart breathing. Okay, we're going to have to take a break right now, but hold that thought. We'll come right back. Okay. Thanks for listening, and we'll take a short break. Come back with us and hear some more about brain wisdom, your higher power speaking. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. Warning. After listening to The Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Rev. Dr. Patricia Keel for The Oneness Program and experience the oneness blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time. On Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. And our topic is brain wisdom, your higher power speaking. My guest is Steve Maynard. He's a unity minister. He uh, is the co-founder of Thrive After 45 Ministry. He's also the co-founder of the Transformative Living Center. And he sends out weekly inspirational e-messages. And lately his series has been on the evolving brain. And and Steve also has experience in the 12 Steps himself. And so he's been telling us about brain health and, and how the brain and spirituality are related. So right before the break, Steve, you were telling us about... Um, how you connect the the brain health and the spirituality and how you teach people to have healthier brains so they can have a deeper spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think I was just finishing up talking about 
John Arden's process called Feed and how, you know, which is focus, effort, effortless determination to create a new pathway to rewire our, our brains. And I use the heart math, heart math meditation technique as a practical spiritual way to do that. And that heart math technique specifically I use is sort of a, the centering technique, and that's breathing through our heart, breathing as if we're breathing in and out of our heart space. And as we feel ourselves calming and being centered, then we bring to mind something for which we are grateful, a person, place, thing, uh, or event in our life, something that we're grateful, something that we appreciate, or we get bring into ourselves the idea of caring for others. And that that becomes the effort we are conscious we have we become aware that we through our breathing that we're focusing on addressing an issue we make a, the effort to shift our attention from the issue to one of uh, gratitude and caring and then we go through a process of affirming that and say i choose to be in that space and then finally uh we well, that's really the fourth step. The, the next step might be, say, as this becomes effortless, I send forth feelings of good towards everything in my life and everyone in my life and the whole world. And then finally we affirm that this is the way that I choose to live. And that process can be done over a five-minute period, an hour period, or just a few seconds. So it can be a momentary process. Uh, this is as you under as we understand what how we can change our brain, we can most healthily use uh, spiritual processes and practices uh, to actually implement changes within our neural pathways. <laughs> is that right. cool or what? It is. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you have, I know, some other practices or other thoughts about how you do that, about how you keep your brain healthy. How do we do well, that? Let, let's, I was just thinking about last week in my weekly inspiration that I sent out, I talked about uh, uh, brain fitness uh, as equaling healthy body, mind, and soul. And in that, uh, in that blog, I cited uh, the work of Andrew Newberg and Mark Robert Waldman in their book, How God Changes Your Brain. And th- this is a book that is re- provides really good information about the brain because that by uh, profession, these people are psychiatrists and neuropsychiatrists, but it also provides good information about spiritual practices. And they included in that book the eight best ways to exercise your brain. And i just like to quickly run through those. And these are in reverse order from eighth to first. And um, the, so the number eight way, uh, best way to exercise your brain is to smile. Because when you smile, the muscles that you use to smile actually activate certain circuits in your brain to make it feel happy. Um, the seventh way, the seventh best way, is be intellectually active. Uh, and what what they say is that as we 
exercise our curiosity and satisfy our curiosity, we're actually uh, giving uh, the neural connections in our mind uh, uh, a workout, and particularly in your frontal in the frontal lobe, which is where we have the densest uh, number of neural connections. And so, the more that we engage in ourselves intellectually, the more we have exercised our brain. The sixth uh, best way to exercise our brain is to consciously relax. And what what happens when we consciously relax? We uh, interrupt the release of stress-inducing neurochemicals, cortisol, and so forth that are otherwise released by the brain, and particularly that little furry mammal inside our brain, which is the area that controls or initiates those responses, and it communicates directly with our lizard legacy. So as we relax, we interrupt the flow of, uh, of negative signals, if you will, that may be going on in our brain. The fifth way is actually something that is um, frequently considered uh, antisocial, and that is by yawning. When we yawn, it actually has a positive impact on the temperature of our brain and the metabolism of our brain, moving it in a more favorable uh, direction. So we need to get over it. The idea of yawning as something bad. Yawning is actually something good, and it actually helps us refocus and relax our brains. Um, the fourth best way to exercise our brain is to meditate. And meditation contributes to increases in our cognition, increases in relaxation, and to our psychological health. So the practice of meditation, which is clearly a spiritual practice, is something that really contributes to our brain health. The third best way to exercise our brain is actually to engage in aerobic exercise because this increases the flow of blood and oxygen to the brain, which promotes, this is something very important, the, the growth of new neural cells. It's a fiction to think that people do not continue to grow new neural cells. That's been now demonstrated uh, scientifically for the for last eight years now. I think it was discovered in nineteen or confirmed by discovery in nineteen ninety eight. So it's really important to exercise because that'll contribute to. Uh, generating new cells so that when we rewire our brain, we can rewire it to new cells rather than old cells. The second best way to exercise your brain is through social activity. Speaking, it turns out, engages the most circuits in our brain, and interconnection keeps that furry little mammal inside of us happy. So... If we translate that to a spiritual practice, that means I go to church on Sunday and I join in in some kind of service group, I attend classes, uh, anything that increases your social interaction is likely to contribute to your brain and 
you know, if you do it in, in a spiritual community, uh, so much the better because you're you're uh, you're bringing in other positive aspects of your experience of life. Finally, the the best way to exercise your brain is to consciously choose to be in faith. It's interesting that the importance of faith and the role of faith in our lives is that it creates a sense of optimism, it gives our lives meaning and purpose, and so that as we consciously um, reinforce our faith, confirm our faith, affirm our faith, and maintain a good spiritual practice, we are creating conditions that contribute to the overall health of our brain and Certainly, if we go back to the 12-step program, it's all about a spiritual program, after all. And so, in a way, the idea that faith is the best way certainly confirms that the practice of uh, being in a spiritual 12-step program contributes in a very important way to not only our recovery, but in a way of creating a more healthy life for ourselves. That's a mouthful. It is. That's incredible. We just heard, uh, just got an email from a listener, Carol. Thank you, Carol, for emailing us. And she's loving hearing all these ways of uh, keeping your brain healthy. And she says she enjoys doing all of those activities. So, yeah, it's good. It's all good. So that old negative idea that, oh, as you age, your your brain is deteriorating and it's all downhill. And that's not true. It sounds like, huh? It's absolutely untrue. In fact, quite the opposite, that what's happening as our brain ages, it just gets better in many regards. Now, it doesn't operate as rapidly as it does when it's youth. That is because we've stored away so much information. Sometimes it's more difficult to require uh, access that information. I know I experience that when I watch Jeopardy. I know the answer is on the tip of my tongue, but I can't quite articulate it. But a couple things that happen as we age that's really important to realize is that, first of all, uh, we increase the our ability to engage our brain in what's called bilateralism, and that is that we develop a greater capability of using both the left and right hemispheres of our brain in in uh, at the same time, and that ability to have more bilateral activity going on gives us a better perspective about life, a more well-rounded that invites both the head and the heart into our view. And now they, scientists, neuroscientists have demonstrated that, in fact, the patterns of brain use among older adults are much different than the, the way younger adults Function. Younger adults tend to function much more in their left side of the brain in the way they process information. Um, and so that's one of the things. The second thing that happens is that our prefrontal cortex, our higher porpoise, matures with age. And as that happens, it becomes a strong, it grows in strength relative to. 
the limbic system, our furry little mammal, so we're we're able to more rapidly engage our uh, full capacities, our full mental capacities when we're confronted with uncomfortable situations. You know, it's it's kind of like we're older and wiser, and one part of that is based on knowledge and experience, but part of it is actually based on the fact that our prefrontal cortex is gaining in maturity as we age. And so physiologically, our brain is able, is better positioned to make more informed decisions and better responses rather than being dominated by the reactions of the limbic system, which I think is fascinating. It is. Steve, I wish we could go on for another few hours. It's, unfortunately, our time is uh, concluding here. Thank you so much. You have given us a wealth of information, and I know people want to know all those books that you have listed and your website, so I'm going to ask you to put that on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, if you would, post and list all the books. I, and those and, and some other ones, uh, uh, The Mature Mind and The Secrets of the Grown-Up Brain are, and Buddha's Brain are, are all three uh, excellent resources and references. So I'll put all six of these books. Great. And your your website. Yeah, and your website. we got to go, but oh, thanks so much. Uh, And thanks for listening out there. And next week we'll have on Reverend Alan Lyles. He's the author of Unity and the Twelve Steps. He uh, is going to talk about the loving heart of spirit and how you can only find the depths of the heart by healing the soul. God bless. You're in my prayers and have a wonderful week. And we'll See you back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. feel undervalued, disconnected, or simply overwhelmed at work or in your business? Are you trying to attract what you need but are desperately worried about cash flow? What if the problems you're experiencing aren't problems at all, but warning signals, clues to redirect? What if those clues are being obscured by your blind spots, the things you can't see that are keeping you from accomplishing your goals? Find out how you can move step-by-step beyond your blind spots each week here with Karen Pettigrew, Wednesday mornings at 9 Central Time on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. 
I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.